Welcome, ghouls and ghosts. Grab some tea and listen in as we talk about the real things. Welcome to Thinning of the Veil with Emily Klein. Um, You may know me as the co-host of Almost Healthy. If you don't, my name is Emily. I am the podcast editor here at the Amherst Wire. I am a Southern California native, and I bring that up only because I will reference it about 40 times. Um, And I am a little stereotypical in the sense that I do love California cuisine, and I am very spiritual. And I'm going to apologize right now if you clicked on this podcast, thinking that I was about to spill a bunch of ghost stories. (laughs) I'm really sorry. Please don't click away. Don't click away. Don't. Please. I promise it'll be good. But I won't be spilling any ghost stories or urban legends. I will be making some references, but that's not really what this podcast is about. If you do want that, there is actually a podcast called As the Veil Thins. That's a little bit more about ghosts. So, um, this is a little bit less about ghost stories and a little bit more about talking about the cultural traditions around this time, talking about how people embrace the Halloween roots of this time and the spooky season roots, and kind of walking other people through the process I had to go through last year when I was reporting on paganism and witchcraft. And how that made me fall in love with spooky season. And not in the sense, because I've loved fall all my life, right? Like ever since I was a kid, there is something so beautiful and magical about the leaves changing. About in within two weeks, these green lush forests become these spotted colored forests that look like they're out of a Dr. Seuss book and then just disappear. That is beautiful and magical and literally pulled straight out of Tinkerbell, (laughs) which I will be talking about fairies. Stay tuned. That's going to be so fun. Um, (laughs) But I hated spooky season because I hated ghosts and I hated the paranormal and I couldn't even sit through a trailer of a horror movie, I would have to plug my ears and hum Sound of Music <laughs> if I was caught in a theater with a horror movie. Um, I couldn't walk past posters. We also grew up in a beautiful little time of the baby internet where some, like, everybody was just hurt and just wanted to take out their pain on other people because who came up with jump scare videos? Like, I have a word to say with you. Who came up with the scary maze game? Like, who hurt you? Try, I know you guys, like, don't actually care about my story, so I'm kind of trying to gloss over it. But we also grew up in a time, like, when you're a kid, I think it's from when you're 8 to 12, you're looking for thrills. There's something in your brain going on. Um, but we were obsessed with ghosts as a kid and obsessed with horror as a kid, and that, like, sucked for me growing up. Like, I have serious trust issues from jump scare videos and from any ghost story. And as I grew older, I like became even more afraid of them because I realized that while murderers were murderers and I knew how to defeat them, I can't defeat a ghost. 
Like, how do you defeat a ghost? Because you can't really see them. Like, you can do a seance, but they can also, like, overpower. Like, it's not the same as dealing with a human. I hated it because I thought all ghosts were pure evil. They were all trying to kill me. I couldn't see them. I didn't know where they were. And so I never wanted to touch anything spooky, anything horror, despite loving fall. So I had a real love-hate relationship with this time until I reported on my article. And I spoke with this one girl. Her name is Mika Phillips, and she is a hedge witch. So hedge witches are basically a derivative of the cunning woman slash healer that was located outside of the village in Europe. And they worked with two things. They worked with herbs and plant spirits. Because when you work with herbs in modern witchcraft, you technically are working with the spirit of the plant as a lot of folklore, like European folklore, likes. Um, and you're also working with humans and you're working with their spirits, and you're working with the paranormal. And so for her to be so committed to loving spirits and working with spirits and doing a Ouija board, like, that was insane to me. Because in my head, they were trying to kill you all the time. So I had a 45-minute talk with her about her experience with ghosts. And basically, what she taught me is that Ghosts are as gray morally as humans, right? A ghost is just a dead human. So if they were, if a human has the capacity to do good, so does a ghost. And so she told me about this interesting story where like her friend had done an Ouija board and okay, I lied. Maybe I will tell a little ghost stories. Her friend had done an Ouija board and was totally rude to the ghost that came to visit them didn't end it correctly, like didn't say goodbye, just got up and left, okay? She went to sleep, she woke up the next day, went to school, came back and her apartment was trashed. And it was like, well, if I was a ghost, I'd wanna trash an apartment of like someone who completely disrespected me, used me for a game and then discarded me. Like that's rude. So it's not like, I'm not gonna pretend like all ghosts like aren't. Like, there are definitely some ghosts that are evil, but there are also ghosts that act out because you did something wrong to them. There are also ghosts that help you, right? Like, I had a friend who told me once that... So she was working in a pottery studio, and her tag was sticking out, and the ghost came over and, like, tucked in her tag. And realistically, that is terrifying, right? Like, if that happened to you, you'd be crying and screaming. But that's actually really sweet. Like, when a mom does that... And, like, this ghost was apparently an old woman. And so that's very maternal of her. So ghosts can range. They have different personalities. And I didn't know that. <laughs> so I basically want to thin the veil on thinning the veil. As the veil thinning is a reference to the boundary between the spirit world and our world getting thinner. And it comes from Celtic beliefs. Shout out to all the Irish listening. But... It, it comes from this Celtic belief that during this time of year, ghosts can cross over, and that's, you know, ancestor ghosts, but also monsters, which I will get into. And I didn't realize that Hollywood, both kind of Hollywood and Christianity, slash Judaism, because I'm Jewish, mesh together to create this really negative picture of all ghosts. And that's not the case. And honestly, most ghosts cannot make things fly in the air. If that's happening, you're probably dealing with a demon and 
that's a different story for a different time. So yeah, I really hope that by the end of this podcast, if you love this time of year, you learn a little something, you fall in love with it a little bit more, or if you are scared at this time of year or you dread this time of year, you dread it a little bit less and you're a little bit less scared and you're a little bit more excited for the possibilities that this energy and this veil thinning brings because Halloween is supposed to mark the end of summer and the beginning of winter. Um, because, you know, back when this was created, everything revolved around the harvest, and right now is the harvest. Kind of getting a little ahead of myself, but that's something to celebrate. That's not something to run away from. So, yeah, let's get into it. start with so this episode is going to be focused on the origins of Halloween and what are the monsters that we are trying to trick in in the phrase trick-or-treat so Halloween as I have mentioned or originates from a Celtic celebration called Samhain so Samhain is one of the four fire festivals in the Celtic's quote-unquote wheel of the year so the wheel of the year is eight holidays um it's all the solstices and all the equinoxes. So Samhain marks the halfway point between the fall equinox and the winter solstice. The wheel of the year is split into the light and the dark side of the year. Obviously, it's when you know the sun is out and days are longer versus when the sun is not out. It's colder and the days are shorter. And so this is kind of the mark of the dark side of the year. Starting this by saying dark does not mean evil. Please get that in your head. That is going to be so crucial. Dark in Celtic and modern paganism is often seen as a time of self-reflection, a time of renewal, a time of rest, not evil, dark, scary things trying to kill you all the time. So that, that needs to be laid out because I will use dark a lot and I will use light a lot. Okay, so here's how a traditional Samhain celebration would go. Everybody during the day would allow the hearts in their home, the fires, to burn out. And then they go do their work and they're allowing their fires to burn, which is a little scary because it's starting to get cold. They go out and then after work, the druid, which was basically the priest, would start a huge bonfire, like a huge community fire. And then probably do a couple animal sacrifices, usually cattle. And... Then everybody would take a piece of the community fire and light their, their hearth fires as, in, as if it's like a renewal of the fire, which I think is so beautiful. Like, that is so stunning to me. That is such like a community thing. And it was so community heavy based that if you started any violence, you it was punishable by death. It was this considered a sin not to go. Like it was this big community experience that lasted three days and three nights and was full of dancing and alcohol as the Irish do. And it was really stunning. Um, it was also a really important time for divination because the veil is thinner. And so it was believed that the Celtic priests, the Druids were better able to see the future now that they had access to spirits. 
Um, which is really funny because that kind of continues on later, I'm jumping ahead, but later in the medieval ages when young women would peel the skin off throw of an apple, throw it behind them, and hope it would create the initials of their husband. That's divination. Um, it, it would also be like seeing your husband's face in the mirror. That is another thing. And so overall, it was a big time for divination and a big time for celebration and surprisingly, even though it represents something that's not warm and cozy, it's very joyous. But now we have to talk about the spooky part, right? Death. So the spooky part is associated with the thinning of the veil. And it was believed that there were monsters, not just your ancestors, right? Your ancestors were great. You would leave out offerings for your ancestors. We love the ancestors. But it was also monsters... The fae are pretty scary. So if you don't know what the fae are, I'm referring to fairies. And they are, they go by a lot of different names. They go by the fae, they go by the fair folk, the good folk, the good neighbors. If you were ever working with them, you probably would not want to call them fae. They don't really like that. The fae are nature spirits that have been around for a really long time and don't exactly love humans. They really do either hate humans because... Humans have come in and destroyed their home, or they see humans as their playthings. And so they're very tricky. Um, fey range from, you know, your elements, water, fire, earth, air, and then you have dark fey. Um, and then within each of those branches, you have different types of fey. So like with earth fey, you have the fey that come into your garden and help your, your flowers grow, which I love. Um, you have your house fae and your house trolls and your house elves, who, by the way, are super nice. Like, they can, like, they will clean up your stuff for you. So they're great. Um, you have your fire fae, your salamanders. It is believed that every flicker of the flame is a specific fae jumping out, which is beautiful. Um, water fae range from mermaids to kelpies, which are, like, they're, <laughs> if you've ever seen Frozen 2... The thing that that water horse that Elsa rides, that's a Kelpie, and it is believed that they will entice you and slowly coax you like more and more into the water until you drown. So they're pretty dangerous. Um, mermaids, there's mermaids, and then there's sirens, so they're also pretty dangerous. Um, I don't know a lot about dark fae, and I don't know a lot about air fae, so I can't really give specific things on that. I'm telling you, like this is all stuff I've just learned over the past year. But they're not, they don't look like Tinkerbell. They look more like the creatures in Maleficent. So they're not these beautiful women. Some of them are, right? Some of them put on glamours to appear that way. But their natural state is not always beautiful. Um, so they kind of look a little bit more like monsters. But the problem is, is that they're very tricky, right? Like I said, um, the Kelpies will lead you into the, uh, into the water and try to drown you. There's the Irish belief that if your child is like two to three years old, a fae will try to steal it and replace it with a changeling, which is basically an infant fae or elf, like pixie or elf, right? Like cries, screams, poops, not a fun being. And that you have to deal with that changeling for like three years and that your baby got kidnapped. So it's not... And I need to stress this enough because this is kind of the key. It's not that these monsters are 
evil, it's that they're different from us, right? So the Fae have very specific rules. They're not supposed to say thank you or I'm sorry because those are human constructions. In our society, that's a common courtesy thing, but the Fae don't have something like common courtesy. So you don't say that. You say, I apologize or I appreciate you because that expresses emotion and feelings. Um, you're not supposed to give them your name because they can use your name and add it into spells and screw you over. Um, you're not supposed to lie to them because they don't lie to you, which is why they're very tricky. They're super tricky because they can't lie. Um, but they, you can never go back on a promise and you can never lie to them. And there's no excuses because our, like, oh, I was late because of the bus. The Fae don't have buses. So they wouldn't know what that means. They don't understand us and we don't understand them. And so they're tricky. The Fae like tricking us in the way that we like watching epic fail videos. We enjoy seeing other people get hurt because it's funny to us. And like, like we care about that, but like that's humorous, it's physical comedy. And their physical comedy is getting us lost in the woods and getting us pixie led, which is basically where you think you're going um, out of the woods, but you're actually not moving. They're just moving you in a circle. That needs to be put out there before I get into this, is that all these different monsters and all quote unquote monsters, they're not fully mean. Um, it entirely depends on how you act, um, but the Irish are terrified of them. So basically you were trying to avoid Faye you were trying to avoid the puka. I love that name, puka. Um, these, they were these shapeshifters that could turn into humans. If they did, they would always have like a dark animalistic feature of them on them, right? So whether that be a tail or ears, um, most of the time they were black goats and they would, there's various stories on them. So sometimes they try to kidnap you or kill you. Um, sometimes they, turn into a horse and just lead you around in a circle over and over and like take you on a wild ride and you think you're going somewhere and you end up right back where you were at. So basically they're getting you lost in the woods. But yeah, the puka. Then you have Lady Gwen, which was this, a white woman dressed in, dressed in a white cloth. She's headless and carries a black pig and chases you basically. Um, and then you also have other things, including like a fairy host, which tries to kidnap people. You have your Dulahen, which are basically these headless horsemen. They look exactly like the headless horsemen. Those were the types of monsters that would cross over during this time. And so a lot of times offerings were left in the field for them. Like with the puka, you would leave something in the field for them. You'd leave a portion of the harvest that you'd gotten that day. And whatever was gone was theirs and whatever was left was tainted and you threw it out. The Fae are also, they really like shiny things. They really like milk and bread and sweet things. So I'm sure a lot of that was left for them. And yeah, a lot of offerings were led to pacify them as well as where we get our first Halloween tradition. Um, people would dress up to try to trick them so that they wouldn't perceive them as humans, but would rather perceive them as animals. And so they'd wear animal skin, hence the trick. And this at the time is called murmuring. And that will later turn into other forms of trick-or-treating. But that really doesn't 
come in until Christianity steps in. So now we're starting to move to Catholic missionaries came to Ireland, took over um, St. Patrick, all that good stuff. Um, and the Pope had declared a while, a little while before All Saints Day or All Souls Day, which was basically a day to honor the dead. And when Christianity spread in Ireland, because Samhain was like October 31st and All Saints Day was November 1st, they kind of combined together and started to be celebrated together. And so All Saints Day eventually turned into All Hallows Day, turned into Halloween. All Saints Day or All Souls Day is a day where you honor the dead and pray for lost souls. And this is where we get the treat part. So it was a tradition, a European tradition, where poor people would go beg for food at wealthy families' houses, beg them and say, I will pray for the lost souls of your family if you give me food. And so you'd, you'd give them a soul cake. Uh, which was basically like a sweet cake, and they would go pray. And so that's trick-or-treating. That was the origin of trick-or-treating. Um, and they called it souling. And those soul cakes were supposed to be replacements for the offerings you would leave the fae, because instead now you're giving someone an offering to go pray. Um, which is low-key kind of smart propaganda, but we're not going to get into that, because Christianity to convert people from paganism to Christianity, like took so many little things. I could, I could continue this series writing about that, but. So later on, you had this thing called guising, which is basically when children would dress up and off and give random t entertainment for something in return, right? So that ranged from songs and poems and jokes to pranks. And that was kind of revived in like the 1920s and 30s in America and became a really, really, really big problem because you had all these teenagers running around and just pulling pranks and trashing houses and trashing property. And so local government started to endorse trick-or-treating as a, something to get the kids to do instead of running around and pranking everybody. And that's where it comes from, right? Like, I'm going to trick you, I'm going to prank you, or you give me food. Just so you know, Halloween, because of All Saints Day, was sort of in America, um, like early, early colonization time, but it really didn't blow up and become popularized until, what do you know, the Irish come to America. Like, I know it was not a thing in Massachusetts whatsoever because Protestants were not Catholics, right? And I really think that when All Saints Day mixed with Halloween, we started to get this sort of ghosts are satanic, monsters are satanic, fae are satanic. Because when you're monotheistic, you're not allowed to acknowledge any other deity or entity, or it's considered blasphemy. It's considered sacrilegious. And I think that that's a really, really big problem because that's what kind of led to this extreme fear of, for me at least, of these entities. And I can tell you right now, like, there are things to be aware of. That's next episode. Next episode, I'm going to talk all about how to protect yourself from ghosts, from fae, from entities that you don't want around because the veil is thinner, the energy is higher, 
and you are more likely to to attract something that you wouldn't normally attract. But like, if you see a ghost, wave high, because I can promise you, it's not gonna hurt you. This has been Thinning of the Veil. I think that's really all I have to say this time. Um, I've been talking for 30 minutes, so next, the next couple weeks, I plan on bringing in some Wiccans, some witches, uh, talking about a couple ghost stories because I would be terrible to call this podcast Thinning the Veil and talk about ghosts without actually bringing up some real true ghost stories. They're not going to be like possession. Like we're not going to get into the exorcist. I'm really sorry. So uh, this has been Thinning of the Veil with Emily Klein and I really hope you enjoyed. Please, please, please reach out to me um, on Instagram or Twitter. Um, they will be linked below. Please tell me if you liked this, if you hated it, if you want to hear something on the pod, if you want me to do some research on something, let me know. So, bye ghouls!